Hi, everybody. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I wanted to mention something that uh, happened this week that I think you might find interesting. I met a speaker in, um, in Lakeland, Florida, who was from India. And he said India has 1.3 billion people but it is only one-third the size of the United States. It's actually less than a third the size of the United States. Can you imagine that? People must be trampling on one another. They're about 80-some percent Hindu, 14.2% Islam, 2.3% Christian, and... The rest is Sikhs, Buddhists, Jains, Zoroastrians, and Judaism, believe it or not. There's even a little tiny bit of that going on there. The population in the United States of America is only 327.8 million people. So you've got 1.3 billion in India with only one-third the size of land area as the United States. But, you know, the United States only has 327.8 million people. We are so very blessed in the United States. We truly have it made compared to the rest of the world. We are 6% of the world's population enjoying 60 percent of the world's wealth. Wow. And yet all we hear from the media and from the Congress, it seems like these days, is complaint, whining because they don't have this or that. Shame on us all for putting up with that kind of behavior among adults in our Congress. We need to get them out and get people in there that are righteous. But this isn't about politics. It's about prophecy. So let's get into today's subject. One of the things I did hear is that our president says that we should go to Mars. My personal take on that is that's silly. I mean, why would we want to go to Mars? We're messing up our own planet, I guess, and we want to go out there to recreate life? Let me tell you something. That's not going to happen because the temperatures on Mars are in the 400-degree range, according to science, uh, as a guesstimate. I don't know how they can actually figure that, but I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's useful to go to the moon. India is at the moment trying to do a mission going to the moon. There is no reason to go to the moon. Do we really think we're going to save ourselves that way? If we can't handle earthly things, how are we going to handle heavenly things? Who said that? Well, that would be Jesus. Where at? Well, that's going to be in John 3. I'm just going to read this for you a second. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. 
After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can a man, an old man, go back into his mother's womb and be born again or born from above? He didn't know what Jesus was talking about. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Now, are we born of the Spirit? Well, no, not fully yet. That'll come later. We have to have a better body. That will only happen in the resurrection. Humans can reproduce only human life, Jesus says, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Verse 7, John 3. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again or born from above. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the sound of the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can explain how people are born of the Spirit. Then how are all these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you of earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? And there it is, verse 12, John 3. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. Verse 13, we don't want to hear that. We want to hear that people go to heaven when they die. But Jesus right here clearly says, no one has ever gone to heaven. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted the serpent up, a bronze snake on a pole, in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And then the most famous verse in the Bible, For God loved the world so much, he gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than the light, for their deeds were evil. And that's what we see today, evil everywhere. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who actually do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Unquote. So what is God doing in the universe? What is God up to? Why did he build the earth in the first place? 
Do you have a clue? Can you tell me? Is it somewhere in the Bible? Is it prophesied? Well, I tried to talk to a lady about this because I have some very distinct uh, beliefs about it, and they are not New Age. I don't know anything about New Age. I, I don't care to know anything about New Age. But I think she thinks that I have some uh, New Age beliefs on this subject. Well, let's go to Isaiah 45 to start with. Isaiah 45 and verse 18. Here's what it says in the NLT. For the Lord is God, and he created the heavens and earth and put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in and not to be a place of empty chaos. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. I publicly proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. I, the Lord, speak only what is true and declare only what is right. So gather yourselves together and come, you fugitives of surrounding nations. What fools they are who carry around their wooden idols and pray to gods that cannot save. Do you know that the Hindus have millions of gods, or at least thousands and thousands and thousands of them? Consult together and argue your case. Get together and decide what to say to me, in other words, God is saying here. Verse 21. Isaiah 45, who made all these things? Who made them these things known so very long ago? What idol ever told you they would happen? It was no idol, it was God. Was it not I, the Lord? For there is no other God but me, a righteous God and Savior. There is none but me. Let all the world look to me for their salvation, for I am God, and there is no other. I have sworn by my own name. I have spoken the truth, and I will never go back on my word. Every knee will bend to me, and every tongue confess allegiance to me. And the people will declare, The Lord is the source of all my righteousness and my strength, and all who are angry with him will come to him and be ashamed. In the Lord, all generations of Israel will be justified. In him, they will boast, Unquote. It's like this. In verse 18, he says again, For the Lord is God, and he created the heavens and earth, and put everything in place, and he made the world to be lived in, and not a place of empty chaos. Now, this word, the world, here isn't what he said at first. He said he created the heavens and the earth. To me, my understanding of the word that's translated world here is both heavens and earth. So, if that's true, then he created the world, all of it, heavens and earth, to be lived in? Verse 18, he made the world to be lived in 
not to be a place of empty chaos. And it just makes sense, really. Honestly, it, it makes sense. Why would God bother to build a world like ours, in other words, the earth, and not build other worlds? Do you know that there are billions of stars in every galaxy, and there are billions of galaxies? What if God has at least one habitable planet around every single star? What if it takes millions of years, or thousands of years at least, to generate soil? Trees have to exist. He has to put them on that planet, all the planets, and then through the seasons, they shed their leaves, the leaves break down over time and rot away and become soil. And the microbes have to be present. So he has to put those in there and worms and all kinds of little animals that help break that soil down and turn it into or break, break down the plant matter into soil. So did not Jesus himself say, I go to prepare a place for you? And where, pray tell, did he go? Did he go on the other side of the earth or did he go to South America or the United States from Israel or something? No, he went to heaven where he was before. You see, he is creator of every planet and he knows them all by name. Now, where would I find that in scripture? Let's flip on over to uh, Psalms 8 for a minute. Here's what it says. O Lord, our Lord. Now, this is uh, the first Lord is L-O-R-D, all caps. Elohim, our God. But our Lord, the second one, is lowercase, which to me means master. So, Elohim, or Yahweh, our master, majestic, is your name, and it fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about human beings, that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge over everything you made. Does that include the stars? Not exactly yet. Putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the, er the herds and all the wild animals and the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. And let's flip over to uh, 136 and verse 9. I'm getting this information out of Strong's Concordance to show me where he talked about the stars in the Bible. Verse 9, well, let's see, let's back up to... Uh, Verse 7, give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day and the stars and the moon to rule the night. 
his faithful love endures forever. Then in 147 of the Psalms, Psalms 147, in verse 4, he says this, He counts the stars and calls them all by name. How great is our Lord! His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. The Lord supports the humble, but he brings the wicked down into the dust. So God has named every single star and planet, more than likely. He named them. He calls them all by name. Wow. What if there was a way for us as his children, once born into his family, born finally, born again, we were already born once. We need to be born again, born from above. In other words, having a better body than just the temporary body that we inherited when we got born. Then and only then we will be able to travel out into space without some sort of mechanical device. You know, if we wanted to go to Mars, we could probably build a vehicle, a space vehicle that could travel out there, but it might take a while to get there. How long? Maybe years. I don't know. But the thing is, it's not a habitable space. It's not, not viable for us. We would have to bring along with us our own supply of water our own supply of food and soil and trees and everything else, but they wouldn't grow out there in the heat. And how could we stay there? You know, it just, it's not feasible. This whole thing is, is not a very good idea, in my opinion. It's a waste of money. I wouldn't spend one dollar on the idea, not even going to the moon. What was the point of that? Are we living on the moon now? Now that we've gone there, well, no. Well then, what's the point? It's a waste of money and a waste of energy and a waste of time. Of course, that's merely my opinion. Big deal. <laughs> now I want to take us to Isaiah 65, starting verse 17. Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Wow! Only the cursed will die that young. In those days, people will live in houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards, for my people will live as long as trees, hundreds of years, and my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. 
That sounds really wonderful to me. They will not work in vain, and their children will not be doomed to misfortune. They are people blessed by the Lord, and their children, too, will be blessed. Verse 24, I will answer them before they even call on me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. But the snakes will eat dust. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. What's this holy mountain? It's the one that fills the whole earth and the one which we will help him govern, according to Daniel. He says, I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Lord says in uh, chapter 66. He says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Hardly. Could you build me such a resting place as the earth and the heavens? Come on. My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word or react to it. But those who choose their own ways, delighting in their detestable sins like idolatry, delighting in their detestable sins, will not have their offerings accepted. When such people sacrifice a bull, it is no more acceptable than a human sacrifice. God doesn't want that. When they sacrifice a lamb, it's as though they had sacrificed a dog, and he wouldn't accept that. When they bring a, an offering of grain, it may as well be the blood of a pig. When they burn incense, it's as if they had blessed an idol. I will send them great trouble, all things they feared. For when I called, they did not answer. When I spoke, they did not listen. They deliberately sinned before my very eyes and chose to do what they know I despise. Dropping down to verse 22, he says, As surely as my new heavens and new earth will remain, so will you always be my people. With a name that will never disappear, says the Lord, all humanity will come and worship me from week to week and from month to month. As they go out, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me for their worms that devour them will never die, and the fire that burns them will never go out. All who pass by will view them with utter horror. And that's the end of the book of Isaiah. What are these worms that don't die and the fire that never goes out? Let's go to Jeremiah 23 and verse 40. For an example, well, let's back up to uh, 39. I will forget you completely. He's talking about idol worshipers. Uh, let's see, where did I see that? Prophesy from the Lord. Okay, he is talking to people who actually are imagining some dream that they had. 
and then telling it as if it were true, like a guy that says he has gone to heaven or hell and came back to tell about it. That's an imaginary dream that is a lie. Their imaginary dreams are flagrant lies that lead my people into sin, according to verse uh, 32 in chapter 23 of Jeremiah. Then right over across the page it says, And I will make you an object of ridicule, and your name will be infamous throughout the ages. This worm that doesn't die is just that. It's what's left over after a person dies. His reputation. Can we get that? Can we trust the Word of God? Some things are allegories, and they have other meanings that are clear in other portions of Scripture. Let's believe His Word. Let's get another look at that from... uh, Revelation 20:10 The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur joining the beast and the false prophet they will be tormented day and night forever and ever This isn't real literal people individuals that live on and on and on and on and on forever in hell No This is everlasting contempt that we saw in Jeremiah 23:40 it's ridicule it's contempt it's everlasting torment because of their reputation but they're not going to feel it they're not going to be alive to feel it the beast and the false prophet are not even alive people the beast is islam and the false prophet is also islam and all the other world religions, including Hindu. Why? Because they're having another God before the true God. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. We can trust the Word of God, and we need to believe it. When Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, he went out into space, and that's where he's at, building worlds, and he's going to Make that a place for us. There are great things that lie ahead. We'll talk more about this another time. Thanks for tuning in today. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and you can read my books there if you want to. It is not new age. But there's nothing for sale on the website at all. Not a thing. No advertisements whatsoever. You can watch the videos. The videos are not productions by me. They're just referenced because they have truths in them that I think are pertinent to prophecy. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again next week, God willing.